Welcome to the Don't Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Your Experiences. My name is Nandana and I have Anand Parmeshwaran here with me to speak about the Balkans as a region. Hi Anand. Hi Nandana. Uh, can you tell me which countries form the Balkans? There's a bit of a disagreement uh, about which countries are actually part of the Balkans, but uh, typically it's uh, the countries that are in that region. Albania, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Bulgaria, Croatia, Kosovo, Montenegro, North Macedonia, Romania, Serbia, and Slovenia. Actually, all or part of each of these countries are located within the peninsula. That's why they call the Balkans. So tell me about Slovenia. Right. So Slovenia is a very small country. It's not huge. It's part of the EU, and uh, it's just it's a place for romance. Yeah. It's about natural beauty, nothing else. They've, it's got a very quaint little old uh, uh, capital called Ljubljana. Okay. And that's a small town. It's got an old town and a new town. The old town is as old as it gets. The new town is as new as it gets. So you've got your swank accommodation, etc., in the new town. But the charm and the character is in the old town, and uh, from there you can head out into various directions. So on one side is the uh, phenomenally beautiful uh, Lake Bled. Yeah. Okay. Now it's got a very interesting story. Lake Bled. Um, it's got a church, so it's a lake. It's a very large lake, and in the middle of it, there's a small island on which there's a church, and fantastic view from the church. It's it's used uh, uh, a lot for weddings in this region. Traditionally, the groom is supposed to carry the bride up uh, the steps uh, in order for the marriage to be happy. Lots of other legends around the place, uh, as is the case, you know, with most beautiful places, there are enough legends and uh, more. One of them is that uh, uh, on the formation of Lake Bled is that uh, once upon a time there was a chapel in the middle of a pasture. Uh, sheep shepherds used to graze their sheep there. So the sheep apparently desecrated the chapel, and so God created a lake around it for protection. Okay. Okay. So an interesting one. Another one is about a lady who lived on the island with her husband. You know, all was going well until one day the some robbers came and killed her husband and dumped the body in the lake. So she was terribly sad. She decided to melt all her gold and silver and cast a bell for the chapel in his memory. I mean, of course, it had to be done in the mainland. So as it was being brought back, uh, misfortune again struck. The bell, the boat, and the boatman sank during a storm. She then sold everything that she had and gave the money to build a new church on the island and became a nun in Rome. Okay. After her death, the Pope heard of her work and donated a new bell for the chapel. He said, "Anyone who rings the bell and wishes hard enough will have his or her wish come true." Apparently, sometimes you can still hear the lost bell ringing from the bottom of the lake. This someone told me out there, and uh, we were quite a few beers down by that time, so I would take it with a pinch of salt or a bottle of beer if you prefer. So that's Lake Bled, extremely beautiful. There's a small castle there on the shore, which again has fantastic views. Ancient medieval castle; it has its own charm that is there. Um, up north, there are more lakes that are there. Uh, I won't go into all the details. If you wish, I can always do a different chat with you on that. But as you go down south, there's something even more interesting. Uh, these are the Postonia Caves. Okay. Basically, the Postonia Caves are the longest cave network that is there in Europe. It's a deep underground cave. It's like miles long. They even have a train inside in uh, underground okay. to go around in the caves, and it has its own post office, by the way. The interesting thing is because it is so deep underground, it's so long. For millions of years, it has been uh, formed by a river that flowed from there. So there's some fish out there who are called the Om fish. 
The scientific name is Proteus anguinus. But it's a species of blind amphibians. They're found in the underground caves and it is a generic caste. They spend their entire lives in darkness. As a result, their skin has no pigment. Okay. So it resembles white human flesh. So the locals call it the Oveya Ribica, which means human fish essentially. Darwin has written about this creature in his uh, On the Origin of Species to illustrate the reduction of structure through disuse. Okay. The Ohm's eyes are normal when they are born. Very quickly, the organs start to regress and before they become adult, they become almost completely blind. Of course, there are lots of stories and legends around them again. They are normally not too frequently seen. They live so deep underground. But sometimes floodwaters carry the Ohm's to the surface and that's when humans spot them. And promptly make up legends and stories to make sense of the strangers. Isn't that why we all make stories and legends? Things that we cannot explain. We try to make stories to help make it seem understandable. Yeah. Medieval legends considered them to be baby dragons since they had snake-like bodies, etc. Which were dragon-like and the pale skin seemed human. It was fun to see those. Uh, of course, I uh, I didn't see the home fish in the wild. I went around in this train inside that uh, tunnel. And in one place, there was this glass box in which there was an home fish. But otherwise, they live too deep underground to see it. But in itself, that entire uh, the Posonia caves are beautiful. The sheer size is awe-inspiring. And the stalactites and the stalagmites and uh, water flowing through and the deep silence that you have in there and the cold. Quite an experience. Near that, there's a castle called the Pradyama Castle. Okay. Which has its own version of a local Robin Hood, really. He was a knight at some point in time who was uh, very well regarded by the locals. And uh, he went against the king. He flew against the king and he, he kind of rebelled. So he built a castle on the side of the, the rock face. So it was almost impregnable and then there's a whole story about how the king came in and laid siege to that place and he still continued to survive because he had an underground system of caves through which he used to get his supplies from behind the mountain. But then he got killed and a very tragic story, one of his servants went and told them about the only weak part of their entire castle which was the loo that was there. Okay. Now the loo was built as a jutting out section of that castle, man-made as in made of stone. It was not a natural rock and... Uh, he kind of flashed a signal to them when um, this uh, local Robin Hood went out to answer the call of nature in the morning. At which time uh, they aimed a cannonball or a stone, uh, a huge stone they catapulted or whatever, right onto that place where the loo was and that that is where he died. Okay. Yeah, so it's a very tragic story but then that's a story that's there. Prajama Castle is beautiful. And uh, part of it, uh, the newer part of it is still preserved inside. It's uh, the older part of it is in ruins, but then they still propped it up and you can still walk around in parts of it and take a look at uh, how castles were in those times. From there, you can go further down south. So one is I told you in the north, there are those other lakes which are very beautiful of Rovinja and those provinces. As you go down south, you can get into the Croatian region of Istria. And there you have the villages of Pula and the beautiful sea, absolutely pristine sea, very less tourists, etc. Lovely place out there. If you love photography, if you like the sea, then that's the place to get to. Okay. So I did a detour from there and then got back into Zagreb. It's yeah. the capital of Croatia. Lovely old city again, divided as an old city and a new city. And very nice, warm, friendly people, a great vibe, fabulous nightlife. It was fantastic. I, I, I quite like that city quite a bit. Okay. And uh, what was my highlight of uh, Zagreb? Yeah, it has its own share of museums and uh, everything else. But one museum really stood out. A museum of Broken Relationships. Okay. And it was very interesting, you know. The, um, basically, there were these two guys who were in a relationship and then it broke up. 
So when it broke up, they decided uh, they didn't know what to do with the stuff that they gifted each other. So then they formed this idea of creating a museum of broken relationships. So then they went out on a, a whole uh, world tour, etc., with their entire stuff. It was a very strange stuff. There's one where there's an axe. Okay. Okay, it's kept as an axe out there, and uh, which is donated by some lady. And she, you have to provide a note on it, uh, on what what it was meant to be, etc. So she's provided a note out there which says, "This is the axe. When my ex broke up with me, I took this axe to all the furniture in his house, broke everything, and then left the place." Wow. Another one where there's a cycle that a person had used. Another one where there are some clothes that somebody had used, and then she passed away, and so on. So it's a very uh, tragic comic kind of a museum. I found it fairly interesting. Yeah, I forgot to tell you about uh, uh, Locksmith Street in Ljubljana. Okay. There's a poet there called uh, Reina Maria Rilke. He wrote this uh, fabulous piece that started with a line about how there is no awareness of how many faces are there in the world. Okay. Because every person has many faces. Right. It's yeah. not like one face for every person. And hence there are more faces than people in this world. Right. Very deep, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so a famous sculptor from Slovenia, his name was Jakob Brodar. His work was very often inspired by Greek mythology. He took inspiration from this, and he created a surreal scene. So, in this one street called the Locksmith Street in Ljubljana, it's okay. a very small, narrow street. Okay, uh, in the middle of some lots of houses, in the middle of a fairly commercial kind of an area. It's a less visited street, but there are about seven hundred very expressive faces out there. Some happy, some sad, some crying, and so on. All sculpted in bronze. They are arranged along the middle of that cobbled street. on the ground uh, they all lead up to a drinking fountain and some sculptures like a skeleton trapped in a cage a soul hand with a ring sticking out of it and so on these are the famous uh, faces of locksmith street okay i couldn't find it i went out there and i kept hunting i had heard of this i kept went hunting for it couldn't find it nobody knew the name locksmith street etc and then i i decided to google uh, locksmith and uh, uh, what it's called what a locksmith is called locally i got that a fairly long name and then showed it to people and then they recognized it and uh, so it's a very less visited place in case you're going to hunt for it then uh, the start of the lane is marked with the image of a key historically this was used because many who visited the place couldn't read and you visited a locksmith to make keys and locks really right so they just put up a key out there so it's 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 strange I quite love the way literature, art, history, deep philosophical thought all comes together in this installation. It's a must visit in case you go out there. Okay. Spend some time with the faces also. I quite love them. So coming back to Zagreb, it's got its own charms. Yeah, and if you're there, go out, eat out quite a bit. Lovely food, great drinking joints. They all love their wines. Rakia, I'll talk about Rakia later. But it's a great place to enjoy yourself. Take long walks, by the way. Not too much of parking in the place. So taking a car is useless. Uh, take long walks. It's the city best explored on foot. One of the days, I moved out from there and went into this place called Varasdin, which is a small university town. Very few visitors again. Right? It's a university town. It's got these two squares where musical events happen, and there are these all-night uh, musical concerts by bands, etc. And a very bohemian vibe to the place, etc. Very nice uh, few places that you could eat and drink and all that. But on the whole, it's just the vibe of the place that was fascinating. I quite love that place. Then you go further up; it's wine country, so you can go and visit some vineyards and all that. And there are some very nice wines in this region. Okay. From there, I moved into the famous Splitwich uh, Lakes. which is a UNESCO natural heritage site absolutely fantastic place 
it's to be seen to be believed you can like spend half a day or three fourth of a day just walking around it's just a series of lakes formed by waterfalls that are on the on the side of one mountain it's just fantastic uh, along these lakes there is wooden bridges that have been constructed so you can walk through them and keep watching this it's just a an, an ode to natural beauty here um must visit must must visit whatever i say will be a, a two less for that place i'm not going to dwell too much on it you must visit that place okay that's split which here and on the way there's a village called rastoke where i stopped by for a meal and that is a an old village again a unesco heritage site they've just retained an old village the way it once was so it's got its own small stream and a waterfall very very quaint setting if you prefer and small houses and small places where you can have your food and stuff that was rastoke and uh, then headed off to this town called zadar the sunset there is supposed to be one that is the best in the world alfred hitchcock no less one said that the sunset in zadar is the best in the world and he should right. know his sunsets mr yeah. hitchcock so that's what it was so i went there for the sunset but what i found far far more interesting and the sunset was beautiful majestic absolutely what i found far far more interesting was the sea organ okay so after the war the, the uh, much of it was destroyed So one of these artists came back and said, you know, the people of Zadar have a close relationship with the sea because it is on the coast. Yeah. And the sea constantly tries to communicate with the people uh, because they are one of their one they one family. Let's give it a means to communicate is the thought and they built something called the sea organ. Okay. Now the sea organ is a series of pipes that is just underwater on the banks of the sea and uh, which leads into an organ. So as the waves change there is a music that is produced that's why it's called the sea organ it doesn't sound too much like it's not like a, a bach uh, or a beethoven symphony that's happening but it's still music after a period of time you get it it's very very soothing it's almost like i don't know if you if you've seen whales yeah then you see the sound that they make when they're blowing it's that yeah. kind of a sound that comes out and depending on the uh, whether it's high tide or low tide or the turbulence in the sea the sound changes right along with it there's something called the a uh, homage to the sun or something like that it's called and it's basically a disc that uh, takes in solar energy and as the sun goes down it comes to life and start lighting up in various fashions again uh, on the sea face near the sea organ again a beautiful sight zadar was a very interesting uh, town for me because i thought the food was fabulous um, they have this uh, uh, very 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 nice brandy that they make there out of uh, fruits maraska it's called i think and i had these uh, this food the truffle there is to die for it's very very pungent they take it and they grind it and and there's a monk fish which is a speciality in the place they give it the monk fish comes in truffle sauce and it's absolutely heavenly especially when you have it with some maraska so that was zadar uh, very uh, underrated kind of place but uh, a place that you can spend or you should spend a couple of days at least one night in the place there's a very interesting pillar out there Okay. It's in Zada. It's called the Pillar of Shame. Okay. Essentially, what would happen is once upon a time, hundred uh, uh, years ago, this would have been one of the most frightening sites for the guilty at heart. This was a place where the accused or the guilty were chained to be mocked, humiliated, and whipped. Okay. Okay. It blends well with the rest of the square with its ancient Roman architecture. The square once was the center of Roman life in Zada. It still seems like this is a place to just stop. and spend time sit back relax imagine the number of people who would die in that pillar of shame think of game of thrones and you remember the walk of shame that happened uh, uh, with cersei yeah this is very similar it's a pillar of shame you're just tied up out there and the locals come in and spit at you and shout at you jeer at you 
some throw things at you and so on and so forth. So it is left to the mob mercy. They were obviously they don't kill and all of that. That's a pillar of shame. It still exists. It's from the Roman period. Yeah. Um, that was Zadar, and then I moved on from there uh, into a place called Shibenik. Again, a seaside place, beautiful, absolutely. And I, I'm running out of uh, words to describe the beauty of this place. Just take my word for it. It's absolutely stunning. The sea and uh, uh, the coastline in Croatia is the best that I've seen in the world. So that was Shibenik, and then I went into uh, uh, Trogir. Trogir is this very interesting ancient town. Again, lovely narrow cobbled streets. Uh, you know where modern life seemed to intermingle with ancient history quite seamlessly, and people living in it. Yeah, cheek by jowl with ancient monuments. So, as a UNESCO heritage site, next to it, there's uh, a person's laundry uh, being dried and things like that. So, it's it's everyone's very comfortable with ancient history and protection and stuff like that. And from there, I moved on to Split, and uh, Split is really a mishmash if you have, if you prefer of various things there's an ancient hilltop fortress called the Klis fortress magnificent views uh, there's Diocletian's palace out here instantly split the entire town was once the palace Diocletian was his roman emperor and it was his palace mm. the whole town even now so a few years back they discovered uh, that there were dungeons out there so they were throwing garbage into certain holes in the street and they didn't know where the damn thing went when they went and checked, they realized there were Diocletian's dungeons uh, underground. So now it's all been cleared and it's been uh, brought up. Incidentally, those dungeons are where uh, uh, some of the scenes of Daenerys in Game of Thrones uh, is shot. Okay. That was a throne room or whatever. In the basement, there's a lot of shopping, there's eating, there's bearing, and so on and so forth. And then there's a this is the interesting story I want to tell you about. There's a, a person called Grigor Ninsky. He was a man of the faith, as they say. He's, uh, so in English, he's called Gregory of Nin. Nin okay. was the place he came from. Now, he brought in and he did a lot of work on making the Croatian language uh, recognized. Mm. So the holy books were written in Croatian language. It was recognized in some fashion. So made religion that much more approachable for the common people. So he's considered to be quite a big man out there. Now, there's a huge statue of uh, Gregory of Nin. And it's just, it's almost all of it is black in color, almost very, very dark. Just one toe is very polished. Okay. Okay, the reason is because if you make a wish at the big toe of the of the statue of uh, Gregory of Nin, then it might get, uh, it'll get fulfilled is the belief. Okay. So everyone who passes by goes and rubs his big toe and goes, one big toe. Okay. There's a similar statue of Gregory of Nin in, in uh, Varas de Nots. Okay. But that's a much smaller one. This is huge, absolutely. Uh, what does Split have? Split, oh, there, there's also a forest there called the Marian Forest. It's not a huge forest from uh, tropical, if you look at it from Indian perspective, etc. It's not a huge forest, smallish forest. But it's a very nice walk uphill, very, very peaceful walk, 15-20 minutes probably. You walk along the seafront and you get up to Marian and then go up up there. There are very nice views of the sunset and stuff from there. So that's a Marian forest trek that is there. Split, of course, has its own joys of uh, you, if, if you have some time out there, you can get into a place called Bar, which is a, a seaside village. Fabulous it is. The Blue Cave is extremely famous. You can do a boat ride from here, go up to the Blue Cave. The water is unbelievably blue. It's a cave in the middle of the sea and you enter that on your boat or your kayak or whatever and it's unbelievably blue. It's electric blue like how? Must visit the Blue Cave. And uh, Bar, of course, can tend to be a bit touristy. But that's something that you have to take. Uh, it, it, it's a bit like go out to my map. 
So I wasn't very impressed with one, but the Blue Cave is fabulous. Split after Split, uh, it's a it's a drive that I took. I drove down from Split into Dubrovnik, very small town uh, called uh, lots of small towns on the way. One of them was called Vrgorac. It's famous for its prosciutto. So when they had a bit of that, then went off. Oh, there there there's uh, before I reached Dubrovnik. It's it's Dubrovnik is a touristy town. Okay. It is okay. a place where all the cruise ships come in and disgorge people. So therefore, there are lots and lots and lots of tourists. Uh, I don't quite enjoy too much of crowd, but uh, unfortunate. But it's a lovely city, beautiful city. If you have seen the Game of Thrones and if you're Game of Thrones fans, fan, then this is King's Landing. This is where King's Landing was shot. Okay. And you, if you've seen Game of Thrones, then you see the city and you say, "Hey, I've been here before." It's like almost virtually to the T. They've copied. There's a river there. It's the shortest river in Europe. Not very many people know of this, but on the outskirts there's a river called the Ombla. It is the shortest river in Europe. It runs a course of hold your breath, all of 32 meters oh. before emptying into the sea. So it just comes out of the mountain, 32 meters it hits the sea. Khatam, over, Ombla done. So that was an interesting one. Uh, raging sea on one side. There's an island called the Lokrum Island. Game of Thrones is this is Game of Thrones land. Much of the shooting happened here. So the King's Landing, as I told you, the Walk of Shame steps which Cersei comes down from, Geoffrey's coronation that happened, the Red Keep, Littlefinger's brothel, Carth, all of them. If you're a GOT fan, it's like heaven. I love GOT, so I had a ball walking around the place. That's Dubrovnik. But other than that, uh, you know, there's good food. There's some decent places to drink. There's one beer. Uh, um, uh, More or less, I think it's a brewery. It was very nice. I think it's called Dubrovnik Beer House or Dubrovnik Beer Company. I think it was called. But very nice place that you could just chill out and have some fun. Other than that, Dubrovnik, yeah, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, it's fantastic. But very crowded, remember, and very expensive. You have to buy your mementos and your trinkets. Buy it elsewhere, not in Dubrovnik. It's very expensive. Ah, oh, from there to Montenegro. It's a drive away. Montenegro is beautiful. It's the sea. Everything is about the sea out there. Yeah. There's a place called Perast, which has the uh, Church of Our Lady of the Rocks, virtually in an inaccessible island monastery nearby, where you can't get in. But there are monks who live out there in supreme isolation and seclusion. There's the Kotor Bay, and there's Kotor out there. There's an old city of Kotor uh, out there. Uh, it used to be a Venetian city once upon a time, and it's even now it has got walls and it's got Venetian kind of architecture inside. Cobbled streets, walking around there is a complete pleasure. Oh, and by the way, in Kotor, there's one uh, tourist site which is a tree. Okay. So you stop out there and you click pictures with the tree. Why? Because it's the only tree in Kotor. Wow. There are no other trees there. So next to it there's a cat museum and all that. It's, it's it's a lovely small place. Of course, there's Budva. Budva is bars, casinos, nightlife. The the night ends at like seven in the morning. It's a place like that. So if you like uh, casinos, bars, a fast life. You're tired of a lot of all this uh, slow-paced life uh, that you've been into in this Balkan trip, and natural beauty and stuff. That Budva is your place to let your hair down. The energy in that place is mind-blowing, as is the traffic. I must tell you, the local beer there is brilliant. It's called Niksichko. See, Montenegro comes. The name comes from Black Mountain. Okay. Okay. So the Black Mountains behind it. On top of it, there's one place where this beer is made. It's called Niksichko. The water from there is what they, uh, is is responsible for the taste, I guess. I don't know, but it's absolutely the most fabulous beer I've had. And if you're taking a hike on the mountains out there behind Montenegro, beautiful sights, lovely hikes. If you love hikes, if you like the outdoors, 
spend a few days out here and just walk around the place from there i got into bosnia so from montenegro i drove into bosnia through the south i got in through herzegovina and then bosnia so bosnia herzegovina is one country yeah so came down and it, this was completely different while croatia montenegro slovenia very very different slovenia was about romance croatia was about the old world old life the sea food uh, rakia the wine and all that and montenegro was a lot of sea and hope and faith and a lot of fast life and night life in uh, bosnia was completely different so i started off from the south and therefore came into this place called neretva it was all through the mountains hit the river neretva which is uh, famous in world war 2 things if you if you like world war 2 history then the battle of neretva etc uh, through neretva fortresses war religion all of it intertwined okay there's a majestic waterfall at kravika on the trebizza river uh, there, there were, i went into a homemade rakia store where sampled and bought a lot of kooch oh there's a church this place called medjugorje out there where uh, an apparition of the virgin mary was reported it's now a major catholic pilgrim center i didn't know about it as i was passing by i realized this was there and just took a small deviation to go out there so there was a lot of inter religious warfare here right yeah. between the muslims and the christians so this was a predominantly christian area and it was not very well developed okay because of the religious uh, beliefs there suddenly there were these uh, a few kids who had gone up into the mountains behind metropolis and it is a remember it's a poor town very less people coming there no education and people are living in poverty etc so they go into these mountains and then they come back and report that they saw an apparition of the virgin mary there okay so they reported to the local pastor and the, the priest and uh, in the church and then they went up there and went and took a look at it and apparently this apparition came in for 7 days in a row or 8 days in a row and then they brought the, there were some miracles that happened etc so as of now it's not got the full quota of miracles to make the vatican confirm it as a as a miraculous miraculous saint etc it's still huge in terms of uh, being a catholic religious uh, pilgrimage center now okay so suddenly there's a lot of visitors who are coming in suddenly there are lots of uh, tourists there and suddenly the economy is boom in a sense for me if religion if god can't give you riches if a story can give you riches then so be it the purpose of religion is served if people out there are happy you know and prosperity is coming right Anyway, so then there was a half-ruined fortress that I found. Lots of them, actually. Majestic view. This was in a place called Posichel, and majestic. The view was something out of the world. Yeah, although it required a bit of a climbing up, but it was a ruined fortress on top, UNESCO heritage site. But in it, there's still some families living because that's been their home for so many centuries. Uh, I went and visited a place called Blagaj, where there's an ancient dervish house. I visited a town called Mostar. There's a, it's got a quaint uh, crooked bridge and a bazaar. This was the scene of the World War II Battle of Neretva in Jablanica. A couple of days I spent moving around in this area, and then reached Sarajevo. Sarajevo is the capital of Bosnia. Okay. Very very different place. It's a, I had a beer tasting session after a very long time in a beer brewery pub there. Fabulous beer, not a patch on Nikšićko, but I think good beer uh, nonetheless. Walked around the place. I think they have very interesting thing out there. Okay, so it's a small city. I was really undecided on where to start. So this guy told me that you could go to this particular device that they have on one of the side streets and take a look. Very surprising. It was just a northwest east south board hanging on a, a chain. So you just go out there and swing and spin it. Wherever it stops, you go in that direction. Okay. And you start exploring the city in that fashion. I found myself doing very very random things. Yeah, great fun. But I sat in that brewery. It's called Sarajevo Skopje. You know what? What has happened is this whole city, the country of Bosnia, 
is war ravaged. So they tried and tried to do whatever they can to turn this ravages of war into something that can they can benefit from and bring prosperity. One of the things that they've done is the whole place used to be once upon a time full of bullet cases and uh, uh, accoutrements of war, so to say. So they take that, they've got all of these, you can name engrave uh, on a bullet case, you can engrave your name and it's made in uh, uh, almost like a bottle opener. Lots of local delicacies to eat like burek and chevap chichi and sarma and klepe etc. Very, very tasty food and I love the food especially because there's a huge Turkish influence in it and therefore very spicy and stuff. Wander around the entire place, there's an uh, ancient, uh, not ancient, uh, an old abandoned Olympic bobsleigh track. Lots of graffiti all over, great fun checking it out. Many war ravaged buildings all over the place. There's a secret war tunnel that they had which they used to use before their, uh, when the war was happening. I went into a Jewish cemetery, lots of coffee, lots of rakia. Oh, and by the way, they've got something called the Sarajevo Roses out there. It's a very famous thing. This has nothing to do with the flower. Whenever the mortars fell out there, the bombs fell in their city, it used to create craters in the ground, in the uh, road. After the war, they said, let's not forget about that, that, that this war ever happened. Let's fill it up with red paint. So when they fill it up with red paint, it looks like a rose. Okay. So they said, we're going to keep this as part of our uh, memory of that war so that we never forget the ravages of the war. Those are the famous Sarajevo roses. So saw a lot of them. It was fun. There's an ancient uh, drinking fountain out there, uh, drinking water fountain, because it was part of the trade route once upon a time for the Ottomans and the earlier people. Lovely little place. And uh, from there, what did I do? I drove down the central Bosnian uh, region, exploring the countryside and all that. There's a fort called Travnik, which I quite love. A lovely restaurant, I think it was called Oridea. Uh, local cuisine that I had. There's Yaise town, which is beautiful. It's got a fort and it's got legends behind it. I think that's where I saw the bear house. Where earlier they used to throw um, traitors and thieves, etc. into something called a bear house. Which is nothing, it's a huge cylindrical structure inside which there's a hungry bear. You're thrown from the top, you fall in there and the bear makes short work of you, that's all. Uh, so that's, I think, where I saw this and I'd never seen this before, I'd read of it though. And that was a bear tower, then there were lots of places to worship, the Pliva Lakes, the beautiful water mills near the Pliva Lakes, uh, where they use the power of water to, to grind their wheat and maize. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And so I drove down from there straight up into Zagreb back. And then, of course, stayed on in Zagreb for some time and then flew out from there uh, back to India. Uh, so, is Bosnia safe for travellers too? I thought it was fabulously safe. I think uh, it, it is war ravaged and therefore there's a lot of poverty that is there. Yeah. But it is very safe. I mean, I, I drove through uh, the country. Yeah. Um, but I did not stay in, I didn't experiment and stay in the smaller uh, towns, etc. Or in villages or homestays, etc. I stayed in the towns itself. So I didn't see anything, uh, any anything unsafe in the. Could you talk a bit more about the food and the drink in the Balkans? Okay, so remember the Balkans are very, very uh, influenced by the Turks and the Ottomans. They had uh, ruled over this land for some time and all that. Okay. Uh, the food, the cuisine, is very Turkish influenced. Okay. I kind of survived on something that they call the burek. I, I fell in love with it. It's it's nothing. It's just it's almost like a pie. So you have it in various uh, assorted meats. Uh, or you could have vegetarian, you have spinach, you have egg, all kinds of things. You have cheese. Uh, so I quite, I'm very partial to the uh, spinach cheese burek and I kept eating that all over the place. Fairly filling, very heavy and bloody tasty. And uh, there's a lot of local food. There's lots of lovely breads. The soups are fabulous. If you're in Croatia, you must try the fish. Whenever you're on the, near the sea, the fish is outstanding. Especially when they add the uh, truffle sauce in the monkfish, it is heavenly, absolutely. 
there's a lot of uh, italy italian uh, influence uh, in the cuisine also so you get a lot of risotto black risottos lot of seafood in the bosnian side there's a lot of burek that happens they believe each each country believes their burek is better than the other food is not a problem at all vegetarian non vegetarian vegan not a problem at all lots of food lovely food and very tasty even for the indian palate which prefers a bit of spice and the drink ah the drink so the local beers are fabulous so you have nixichko which i think is the best beer i've had the sarayasko which is a good beer in in uh, sarayevo other than that you have a lot of rakia rakia is this wine that they make out of fruit or anything else that they get cherry grape any fruit the plum any fruit that they have i told you about maraska in zara uh, you get maraska brandy etc then that's very nice but rakia is all over the place you get it everywhere you go to a house to visit someone there's they would have made rakia at home and they'd serve you that like tea in our At every roadside joint, you'll get rakia. What kind of traveler do you think the Balkans would appeal to? They're very different. Yeah, Slovenia, I think, is for the person seeking romance. Right. Croatia is a place for it has something for everybody: the history lover, the tradition lover, the Game of Thrones uh, fan, the trekking enthusiast, the hiking enthusiast, uh, the beaches, the sea lovers. It, it's got something for everybody. I think Croatia is a fantastic country. It's got something for everybody. Essentially, because the way its uh, its geography is, it's got mountains in the north, it's got the sea in the south and uh, southwest, and it's got everything else in between. It's got lakes. The Plitvice lakes are to die for. Great photography and all of that. Montenegro is the place for fun lovers, and also for the outdoorsy lovers. The great hikes on the mountains, etc. Bosnia is uh, I I don't know how to put it. Uh, I don't know how to slot anyone. Bosnia is an experience. I know of many people who haven't liked Bosnia too much because it it is no it doesn't come with all the trappings of luxury etc. It's a war ravaged country for God's sake. You don't have everything all amenities out there, but it's beautiful in its uh, in in its simplicity and its uh, natural uh, veneer, so to say. So, how many days would you recommend for this part of the Balkans experience? So, if you were to do this entire stretch of, I took what eighteen days for this. Yeah, eight, okay. uh, eighteen. No, sorry, twenty one days for this. but you could well do it in 15 16 days maybe 17 days but i'd suggest you take a longish holiday in this and spend your time in each of the places if you don't have too much time drop one of the countries okay. but spend a lot of time in other countries croatia is not one to be experienced you know most people i met come in the cruise hit dubrovnik see dubrovnik say oh it's such a crowded place and go away and have an impression of croatia that it's a crowded kind of country no it's not it's like coming to india visiting bombay and going back and saying you met it you've seen it here or daily for that matter so croatia lives in its smaller towns the towns like varazdin towns like a shibeni towns like a trogir it lives there so you have to stay there you have to go to the istrian uh, coast you have to go to pula and places like that you have to be in zagreb you have to go visit krapina that that's where the uh, essence of croatia is so spend time this is a place for slow travel i think okay so i would say maybe 12 days do a slovenia and a croatia together You want to add on a Montenegro, take a three more days extra, and if you want to do uh, Bosnia, about four five days. Okay. So that was Anand Parmeshwaran talking about his experiences in a part of the Balkans. We will do another chat about the rest of the Balkans later, which will cover Bulgaria, Albania, and North Macedonia. Thanks for tuning into the Don't Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Our Experiences. Watch this space for more such experiences. Until then, take care, stay safe, and whatever else you do, don't trip don't on the trip on the usual.